0: December 1st and you are listening to 94.1 kpfa and 89.3 kpfb in berkeley 88.1 kfcf in fresno 97.5 k248 br in santa cruz and online at kpfa.org the time is three thirty. stay tuned next for cover to cover with Rand cohen I'm Raina Cowan, and this is cover-to-cover open book, or as I like to say, frame-to-frame, a chance for us to think about film for the next half hour. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two filmmakers, Deborah Kaufman and Alan Snitow, uh, about their new film, Company Town. Now, both of them are familiar to me in many ways. Matter of fact, <laughs> this is sort of like a fantasy of mine to be in a studio with both of them for different reasons. Alan Snitow was on KPFA as a news person. I used to listen to him every every night and think, someday I'm going to be a news reporter, although... Never went that direction. And here you are. Um, Alan Sintow started off uh, at KPFA, but then he was at the top-rated KTVU TV News Channel 2 for 12 years. And he's made a series of films with Deborah Kaufman, Between Two Worlds, Thirst, Secrets of Silicon Valley, and Blacks and Jews. And Deborah Kaufman, uh, who I actually think I've interviewed before uh over the years, because uh, she used to be the f- she was the founder of the and director of the San Francisco Jewish Film Festival for many years, and uh, these films uh, the same films you 've been working as a team so both of you welcome so much to kPFA thanks for having thanks. us so we 're going to talk about Company town, which is your new film that in some ways covers uh I would say maybe three different specific issues. One is the dramatic election campaign in San Francisco uh, between Aaron Peskin and Julie Christensen which was really about something that was underneath that, which is this whole transformation of San Francisco by Airbnb and Uber and uh, the the neighborhood evictions and raising rents and all those issues. And then the third thing is something that's sort of more personal, which is when I started watching your film, Company Town, the first thing I thought is, there's a way that I don't feel so comfortable in San Francisco anymore. Uh, I'm not sure why, but a lot of my colleagues and friends feel the same way. And we all sort of have ideas about it, but this film actually addresses it <laughs> in terms of thinking about the underground political structure that's in place and the questions that are raised that impact why San Francisco feels so different. So it's great to have you here and to think about these issues with you. So what first inspired you to tell the story now?
1: Well, it's both a political and a cultural story, as you mentioned. It's it's about a, a city a city that's um, in transformation, but the causes of the transformation or something new. I mean, it's, you know, the tech industry on steroids. We, we've had a tech boom in the past in San Francisco, but now it's what's going on with the so-called sharing economy is driving out entire neighborhoods. You know, we've seen, we've seen people in the Mission District having to move to the East Bay. Our film follows what's going on in District 3, which is North Beach, Chinatown, Union Square, Knob Hill, and, and, Chinatown particularly is like the cutting edge of the transformation and the kind of um hollowing out of an entire neighborhood in order to make room for um, you know, landlords who want to make money off of uh companies like Airbnb where they can um, you know, come in and take over apartment buildings and kick people out. So um it's it's a political movie, but it's also about the culture of the so called sharing economy. What does that really mean, sharing?
2: You know, I, I um uh It occurs to me, sitting here at KPFA sort of reminds me of this, that the... The Bay Area has always been a place where people in flight for whatever they because they were uh, left wing or communist because they were gay or lesbian because they were dissidents in one sense or another. This was a place that uh, they could call home where they could find like thinkers where you could be where where being a dissenter w- was perhaps not normal but it was not something where you were ostracized and terrified for your life. And, um, uh, and you know, that's always been the case in the Bay Area. I mean, this is really, uh, a, a really a, an important part of what this whole place has been. And uh, what we're seeing now and what we try to express a bit in the film is that, is that changing? Are we seeing a kind of corporate conformity? Being imposed. There was one point when we were filming uh, near where the Salesforce Tower was being built, and I was sort of filming through the open doors or something uh, into the into the site. And uh, a guy passed by and um, and uh, looked at me, and then went on and said to uh, said to Deborah something like, um, what, "What was it he said? Well, he, said
1: he was re- reporting on you. He was ratting on you. You know, you shouldn't be filming here. You know, it was kind of like an atmosphere." Of um, that parallels the reputation system that exists, you know, with with all these online apps, you know, like Airbnb and Uber. You know, they know so much about us because we're posting all this stuff. And um, identifying know, so with corporations yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. rather than you so know it's like uh, ratting yeah. on the uh, you know individuals who who may be different or doing something that they shouldn't be doing to the to their corporate you know behemoths that are you know rising something above us. Something I'm un- inconceivable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in some sense in terms of Bay Area culture.
0: Well, you know, the first shot of the film, I think, uh, reminded me as it's sort of booming into Chinatown, I thought, oh, the old international hotel issue, that there was so many ways where so many of us were really involved in this idea of uh, who's, who had the right to live at that point in Chinatown and in San Francisco. And and so I was thinking about that when, of course, it turns out that that's not what this meeting is about. It's all about uh, something bigger, which is how a lot of people are losing their homes and are getting evicted all over the city because of uh, tech companies moving in and uh, many different reasons that you're really going into in this film. Uh, there is one moment when you show, somebody shows like a, I don't know, it's like a door with all these dots on it of the number of people who have been evicted in San Francisco. So there must have been, not only are you telling the story, but there must have been some kind of intense uh, push to have a story told now before there's even more evictions.
1: Well, I just wanted to say that's the Anti-Eviction Mapping Project's ah. mural in Clarion Alley in San Francisco, which is fantastic, um, a fantastic mural depicting all the evictions that have been going on in San Francisco. And, of course, we know there have been thousands and thousands. But, you know, you're right. You're at this, these questions. You know, who has a right to the city? What kind of rights do we have? And what kind of responsibilities do we have to each other? I mean, these are the questions, kind of urban policy questions, that that we were asking as we were filming. Because, you know, uh, obviously we we... Care about the people that make up the city. It's not about the corporations and the profits they're making. It's about the people who, um, you know, have a right to the city and what are their needs uh, that are the questions that we're trying to ask in the film.
2: And it's very hard to show in film, I think, um, uh, a, sense of, uh, a sense of neighborhood i mean in in our in our films we 've dealt with uh, lawndale in Chicago and east palo alto in in uh in the south bay uh we 've dealt with stockton and we and uh you know and other uh, and now San Francisco, but also to deal with um how people are responding to change in their neighborhoods and how they how resistance can be productive you know I think that what 's happened is that a neighborhood resisting certain kinds of change or the expulsions like what happened at the International Hotel um, back in the late 1970s that uh, you know that this is now characterized as being nimbyism not my backyardism as being something which is purely conservative and that real revolutionaries are into tech and into the transformation of human consciousness economy and the city by uh, by the technological elite and uh, uh, and this kind of ideology of the future and, um, and we think there's a you know that you have to sort of parse out a little bit the difference between uh, people who resist change because they just are conservative and resist any kind of change happening and um, and the kind of productive resistance which says that there are human values to be defended um, and that there's human community to be defended and solidarity to be defended rather than just personal gratification um, and that's what we've tried to portray i think throughout the throughout our work and in this film as well
0: it's interesting because so many people I know use the words uh, Uber or Airbnb as if they are hip, you know, that they're like somehow the thing that you should be doing is like taking an Uber or thing <laughs> at an Airbnb. So, I, so I'm so i interested in the fact that uh, you did this really nice thing where you had uh, a reporter from the examiner go through the mission and show how the mission has changed dramatically. And who were the people who wind up getting displaced, and what the mission looks like now on Valencia Street. Uh, So how did you meet this fellow, and what made you think of having him as, you know, one of the different backbones in the film?
2: You know, it's... um, When a a film works, there's a lot of kismet, you know, and sort of destiny. Um, We were... um, uh, we were sort of doing some research and um, walk in, in City Hall in San Francisco, and I walked into the press room to see what was going on there because so much there's not that many press anymore who cover the Board of Supervisors and what's going on in San Francisco, and the press room is pretty empty, and there was this guy with an orange streak in his hair sitting there and uh and we got to talking and he was this you know guy from from a reporter for the examiner a columnist for the examiner and we thought you know he was a great had a great spirit and was very charismatic and uh, and could gregarious could you know talk your ear off about the city that he loved and that he grew up in and we had the same experience with uh, the sort of the guy to chinatown jeffrey kuang We uh, At the very beginning of this whole process, we met with uh, Julie Christensen and with Aaron Peskin. And when we had our meeting with Peskin, we walked into his campaign office and there was this young man who was working there and who started telling him about his growing up in a single-room occupancy home. You know, that was his home, was one room uh, with a shared bathroom and a shared kitchen. And we thought, well, you know, would he show us around so we got we got these people to actually show us around and dig into neighborhoods that you only see sort of from the outside
1: there uh, you know Jeffrey and um Joe Rodriguez, who we' are talking about from The Examiner, were kind of our avatars. I mean they're young people who um love tech like we do i mean the, the enemy isn't tech itself or these apps or the tech workers um it's really this ideology that that's, you know, promoted by the new tech elites that's really libertarian and it's all about deregulation and profit-making and, you know, how far can corporations go to to control the politics of the city? And, and now, you know, there's this Washington, D.C., Silicon Valley revolving door where people are going back and forth and using the money they've got from venture capitalists and the know-how they've got from Washington to... Develop so-called democratic clubs around the country, where they're trying to influence um, political outcomes on the local level, where they can, you know, get the kind of tax breaks they got for, for Twitter out of Ed Lee, um, and and really kind of drive a political agenda. So, you know, the enemy isn't really technology itself; it's um, it's the new elites who are, you know, a new a new kind of character. Um, you know Brian Chesky's kind of like you know he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger of the app world he's you know a bodybuilder who's you know promoting himself and his ideology of micro entrepreneurs um you know throughout the country and and nobody's really stopping to think about what that means um you know that we're all kind of on the street with our you know private you know blankets full of buttons that we're trying to sell i mean it's a it's a future where People don't really have full-time work and are relegated to, you know, renting out their beds, um, which is not, you know, going to solve a housing crisis. Right. We're
0: speaking with the directors of Company Town, Deborah Kaufman and Alan Snittow. Uh The film opens at the Roxy this Friday and runs through November 3rd. It's going to be at the Elmwood Theater in Berkeley for the same dates and San Rafael on Sunday, November 6th. So it's interesting because what you're talking about is this idea of um, the shared economy, which gets talked about. And I I wonder if you could explain it. Aaron Peskin talks about it in, in the film. But it seems to me like it's one of the key themes in, in your film, what you're trying to lay out as a major
2: point well the the sharing economy is sort of is this absurd phrase for um uh, that tries to cover with a kind of idealistic gloss the fact of uh of uh, some giant corporations making a lot of profits from what other people currently own so um it's uh, it's that you can supposedly share your car, your house, your time, your work, your skills, your tools with other people for a price. And that what the Internet allows you to do is this kind of acceleration the, uh, of the velocity of the turnover of goods, including your own self in a way and the money the skimming off the top are these giant corporations and so you have the sharing economy as if sharing is between supposedly you know between two people or within a group of people but what this is really is it's, it's a money transaction with a giant corporation overhead skimming off the profit from these little interactions which are very often impersonal they're not having very little to do with hospitality as airbnb talks about about it so uh Aaron Peskin at one point says you know um the sharing economy is nonsense it's not sharing when you somebody pays you for something it's the sharing does not involve money a giving of money and um uh and so that's that's one of the things we really wanted to expose in the film
0: now it's interesting that uh in some ways you're both uh, journalists and I'm and at the same time filmmakers and I was wondering you know I'm, I'm always interested in when is something mm-hmm. journalistic and when is it mm-hmm. documentary and is there a difference uh, it seems like that the concept of documentary has changed a lot and uh, we always think about it or I often ask filmmakers about it in terms of people are now in some ways supporting their characters in the films like maybe paying for them to go to school or something else. So I'm interested in this, the way that you think about the work that you're doing as filmmakers and
1: uh, and how it comes out in Company Town. I think that's an important question. Yeah. I mean, we try to answer it all the time, but we're not really sure. I mean, we're, we're certainly um, both journalists as well as... Um, I don't know that we're artists, but I I would call ourselves kind of activist filmmakers. We don't see ourselves as um, being advocates necessarily. Um, We're not working for an organization or or supporting an individual in their electoral campaign in that way. We're trying to um, deal with ideas. We always go into a project with an open mind. Um, You know, we made a, a short movie about drones before this, and thought that the film was going to be entirely critical, but then we kind of came out with a, a little bit more of a open mind after we, you know, put on the, the headgear and had our own virtual experience of flying. We're not talking about predators. Uh, no, here, no, not, not predator, <laughs> recreational drones. Um, but, but what I'm trying to say really is that um, we did approach this um, election with an open mind and found that, you know, the... Um, lack of response from Airbnb, the lack of response from venture capitalists who we tried to interview, the lack of transparency from these corporations, whereas, you know, they know everything about us because they're watching us online through our Facebook likes and every every transaction we're making and where we're going on Uber. All this information that they're using to monetize, you know, everything and make a profit off of. And I think that Observing the the one way relationship that they are opaque, we are utterly transparent in the ways in which we 're being manipulated um, and um, you know they 're using this information not just to sell us products this isn 't about just selling products it 's about selling an ideology and um and getting involved with uh, politics and I think that you know really. Um, you know was clarifying for us so along the way we came to advocate the position of you know it's really about it's really about people over profits
2: yeah I think it's you know it's um, these are interesting categories um, journalist and filmmaker and so on and um, um, and I'm not sure how they sort of you know uh, interlock or or disconnect at times um, the the thing that uh, that I think of that a lot is um, how do you, in looking at a situation, maintain your uh, independence and not necessarily objectivity, but fairness. And um, and this has been so. You could say that fairness, I think, is a worthy journalistic principle. Um, as opposed to a sort of objectivity which very often means that you're you know sort of removed from th- from things. You're without passion. Um, and I think that for us, the maybe the passion is the filmmaker and the fairness is the is the journalism. But ultimately, there has to be some kind of independence. And one of the things that we've noticed a bit in the documentary world and in the funding world of documentary is there's an increasing trend to push documentary filmmakers to linking up with um non, uh, uh, non-governmental organizations, non-profits, wonderful groups, and then together going to get funding and producing a documentary together. And the results, I think, may be really worthy, but it's not a- any more independent documentary. It's the same way that there used to be independent feature films, and they more and more were things that were calling cards for getting into the uh, into the studio system. And I think that that's, that's happened a bit in the documentary it's, world as well. It's so
1: hard to be independent these days and um, I think people suffer you know filmmakers we know suffer Because we can't get funding if we're truly independent. A lot of foundations um, ask, you know, what's the ending of, you know, what are you saying? What's the ending of your film? And if you're truly open-minded, you don't have a script. You don't know what the ending's going to be. And, of course, following an election campaign, how can you possibly know? And and in this case, the District 3 election last year, it was so close, nobody knew um, until, you know, election day itself, what was going to happen. So if you're truly independent um you know you're you are on your own
2: and you're broke like you are
1: <laughs> <laughs> well so
0: it it is actually interesting if we think about the election for just a second because there was it's almost like that it went in a, a crossway like the idea of proposition F which was to regulate Airbnb uh what went down to defeat, and at the same time, Aaron Peskin, who represented a progressive voice in terms of thinking about these kinds of issues in district three one. so how how do you imagine that both of those things happen simultaneously in one city?
2: I think that perhaps um, the difference between the the two was that um with the Airbnb vote, um, on on prop f to regulate prop f um, airbnb put in nine million dollars into the campaign it was like one of the most expensive campaigns in the city's history um, and uh, you know money is extremely powerful in these campaigns so uh and even so airbnb ended up with quite a bit less of a margin than it actually had expected, uh, you know, a few days beforehand. Um, So there was, I I think that there was underneath a lot of dissatisfaction with the way things are going. Um, Peskin's campaign was more of a grassroots thing. Both sides had about an equal amount of money. So it was really a matter of how could you mobilize people? How could you bring out people to vote? What kinds of organizations did you have on your side? Were they grassroots organizations? So you could have um, two different kinds of uh, of campaigns going on, one within a small district of the city, which could be very grassroots, and another one citywide, which was really about turning out money rather than, uh, uh, as, you know, as well as troops, but heavily dependent on money.
1: I also look at it as, um, as what politics is really all about, which is it's not over when the votes are counted. I mean, look at November 8th is going to come. Hopefully the Democrat will be elected. And then, you know, the work continues. (laughs) It really continues. Um, We're going to have to keep fighting for everything we believe in. It just isn't handed out to us on a silver platter. So um, I think that's what it's all about in San Francisco. The fight's not over the day after the election. And, um, you know, it's going to continue. This upcoming election, November 8th, is very important, not just nationally, but in San Francisco, too, because the fate of the Board of Supervisors, whether it will be a progressive majority or a moderate majority, um, which is, you know, going to really affect the housing and affordability in San Francisco, is at play again. And it will continue to be at play. And it's just, I I guess, you know, our, our film is meant to be, uh, you know, to encourage people to get involved in the political process, you can have an impact, particularly on the local level.
0: So I want to just once again mention Company Town, uh, directed by Deborah Kaufman and Alan Sittow, opens this Friday at the San Francisco premiere at the Roxy in San Francisco, the Berkeley premiere at the Elmwood Theater in Berkeley, and then on Sunday, November 6, it plays at the Rafael Film Center. So, um, and I'm sure you're going to be at some of these screenings to carry on this kind of conversation. There's something about this film that I thought. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was like a personal film that dealt with these issues at the same time? And I have to say that there is. There's an amazing film that's opening up on Friday called Aquarius. Uh, it's a Brazilian film and it stars Sonia Braga. She is a woman who lives in Recife. She's lived in the same place for her You know, years and years and years, and a corporation has basically bought out the whole building except for her apartment. Everybody else has moved out, and she still lives there, and she wants to fight for it. So on one hand, it's sort of the same kind of idea of can she fight uh, a Goliath kind of experience, but on the other, the director, Kleber Mendoza Philo, is doing something unique. It's a very slow-moving, two-and-a-half-hour character study about Sonia Braga's character. And it's about aging, um, both passion and illness in aging. It's about music. She loves music. She was a music critic. And it's about... Things and what they represent, and people, and family, and fortitude. And it's this whole belief in herself that happens. And it's an extraordinary film. Uh, It's really unique, and it kind of shows what happens when somebody tries to stand up for capitalism. Uh, There's a quality in the film that I have to describe almost like, is this going to turn into a horror thriller? And I think this represents something about... Uh, the need for money and power and what somebody is willing to do and the way that she sort of sticks to who she is and through her taking a stand, hoping, you know, we're rooting that maybe she can stay or even though her children are saying, maybe it's just ruining your life to fight against this monolith so i think that it raises a lot of questions it's really beautifully told and executed um and Sonia Braga, who starred in The Kiss of the Spider-Woman and many films, she was a femme fatale in the 70s, is going to actually be in town for select opening weekend shows. She'll be in the Clay, at the Clay Theater in San Francisco this Friday for the 730 show and the Rafael Film Center in San Rafael on Saturday at the 715 show. And, uh, she is an amazing actress and it's a very powerful screening and to see her in person would be Totally delightful. So uh, I want to thank both of you for being here today, talking about Company Town.
2: Thank you so much.
0: It's an interesting film. It's so relevant, and uh, hopefully, it makes you like be willing to do more because uh, that's maybe what an activism political film can do. So I want to thank both of you for thank joining you. me today. Thank Thanks. you. My name is Raina Cowan. This has been Frame to Frame. I'll be back next month talking about Native American film and issues and art. So I hope you'll join me. Thanks so much for listening.
2: The presidential election is fast approaching, and thanks to you, KPFA will be able to continue our wide-ranging coverage. Our goal is to provide you with multiple viewpoints and unfiltered information you won't hear from corporate media outlets. Beginning Wednesday, November 2nd, through the day after the election, Wednesday, November 9th, join us for seven days of fact-filled, inclusive reporting and analysis from the Bay Area's truly independent media outlet, KPFA. Demand the impossible is a thrilling radical manifesto. This will be presented by writer Bill Ayers with Bernardine Dorn, former weather folk, now fierce social justice activists. Thursday, December 1st at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. There's free parking and wheelchair access at this KPFA
0: benefit.